What's going on guys, Nada Melendez, Take the World Podcast, and today I got Ty Zazueta with me. What's up everyone? So I've been doing a lot of thinking of where I want to take this podcast and what direction I want to go, and I've really been enjoying some conversations that I've had on personal levels. Um, I haven't recorded a podcast in over a month, and now I'm going to transition to doing a podcast every week because I want it to be more open conversations and less about lessons that I can teach my audience. Mm. And so today I'm super excited to talk to you, Ty, about um, let's talk about simulation theories, man. Oh, yeah. I want to I want to talk about Bob Lazar. I want to talk about aliens I want to talk about everything that I can talk about and I want to bring it basically the uh, message of this podcast is that we have a freedom to talk about and create and 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 go through life as explorers and I want to talk about mental health and things like that but first I want to preface that with simulation theory so let's go with that man all right so i've been doing a lot of digging into simulation theory for the better half of a year now and it didn't actually start with an understanding of simulation theory uh what i initially got started on was quantum physics and it was really just kind of like how much can i learn about this and what i didn't even know going into it was that quantum physics was actually completely and directly related to simulation theory and a lot of times people are trying to claim that it actually backs up the simulation. <coughs> okay. So, <coughs> excuse me. So, like, for the listener that has no clue what we're talking about, what's right, the simulation right. theory? Well, so that's the interesting thing is there's kind of two layers of it. There's the surface layer where there's actual research being done, and then there's the layer to it that you can kind of follow on a lot of conspiracy channels on YouTube. <clears throat> okay. And the, the interesting thing on this subject mostly is that these two intertwine so much so that the conspiracy is oftentimes parallel to the scientific speculation. So the simulation theory would propose that we are living in some sort of universe in which we are not naturally created, that we are uh, part of some sort of, if you would, like the Sims video game, that we're part of a program that has been started using the fundamental basics needed to start a universe and then let run like a computer program. And a lot of people theorize that if that's the case, that it could be something akin to an ancestor uh, sort of simulator. Okay. That like if someone in the future wanted to know what it was like 5,000 years ago in this inconceivable time where we you know, had individual places where we hung up different colored flags and stuff like that. They wanted to visit that. The only conceivable way that they might be able to immerse themselves in that sort of study fully is to create a universe that exists where they can simulate it. Okay. So essentially, for the people that are not as smart, including myself, sure, sure. what you're saying is, is that in the future, they created our life that, that, that we think we're living right. as a test, almost like a, 
like you said, like the Sims video game. Right. So I want to see what life was like back then. So I have to recreate it, whether it be computer generated, AI generated or whatever, that the theory is that some way more intelligent being past human uh, thinking was able to recreate this. Well, yeah, you nailed that. Absolutely. And that's just one of the theories. Uh, another theory posits that we don't have any idea why we live in a simulation, but that because the universe <clears throat> is, as we're kind of understanding now with modern physics, a very mathematical place, that the universe exists as sort of a equation that started the, the beginning of, say, the Big Bang or time, however you want to look at it. Yeah. And that the simulation is just a mathematical progression of different pro probabilities. Okay. So in that simulation, that's more like calling the atoms pixels. It yeah. doesn't necessarily okay. mean that there was some sort of grand creator. In this, it's just another way of kind of using the wording of what we understand with quantum physics. And that's more obviously based along the lines of the research being done currently. Okay. Although the research initially came out, I think, in the early 90s to mid-90s under a paper entitled, Are You Living in a Computer Simulation? So the premise has always kind of been there that it's some sort of digital pixelization of the universe that we live in. Yeah. Yeah, so... Okay, so... The reason why this podcast to me was something that I, I really like, honestly, I thought like, man, you know what? I really have to do this. And I think that getting this conversation out there and, and opening it up to people that normally wouldn't think like this. Sure. Yeah. Um, because a lot of people that listen to what I'm what I usually say is like, oh, it's all science. It's like right. I'm I'm trying to give like health advice, fitness advice, mental health advice, yeah. whatever. And I mean, I'm not a doctor. It's just like my own experiences. Absolutely. So with this, this is like my own experience of things that I've thought about in life. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest ones is when we were talking about like Bob Lazar and things like that. Oh, yeah. Is like as I was growing up and I grew up in the church that I thought like human beings are the perfect creation. And when I was young, I believed that like, if there was a God, he created us in his image and we are supposed to be the image of him. And I remember listening or, uh, you know, Bible study and you hear like about Noah's Ark and the Great Flood and and the city of Sodom and and their their um, which is super like miscon there's a huge misconception of why like Sodom burned sure. but it was really because their lack of hospitality mm. it had nothing to do with like sexual orientation <laughs> yeah it that's had nothing to do with, yeah, yeah, affiliation yeah. that's yeah, yeah it's 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 like causation correlation like yeah there was this going on there. But that's not why. Whatever. So. And that's what they're just known for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, so I thought to myself, and as I got older, I, I really started to question religion, question God. Sure. But even more, I started to question um, spirituality. Mm -hmm. And to think that, like, if God created this earth in seven days, 
then what has he been doing for a million years sure, since sure. then? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or or like, you know, um if if we're the quote unquote like perfect beings but we're so flawed, right, then even if you believe in God, you could still believe that he may he tried again mm-hmm. on a different planet in a different universe with aliens that we call aliens, sure. but to them they they might have the same Bible or a different Bible that talks about us being flawed mm-hmm. in twenty nineteen you know what I'm saying Absolutely. like so uh I got one for you i I can really I grew up going. To Christian churches all throughout my childhood and I attended Bible school the question I had for the church that actually kind of broke my relationship with them was about one of the kings in the Bible I forget his name off the top of my head but it said that he basically was brought to heaven as living person and there's no distinction that he died and went to heaven as a soul so okay. I went to my pastor with the question is it possible to go to heaven with a physical body still yeah. Or do I need to go solely as sort of what one would call a soul or spirit? Yeah, whatever. Do I have to die for Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And he said that that's all really up to God. And so that opened up a lot of things for me. That okay. got me thinking about a lot of different things. And one of the things that I kind of actually tried to fill the blanks on was exactly what you just proposed. Like, what did God do after us? Okay. If, if we were able to upset him so much yet still be in our physical bodies and go to heaven that kind of gives like this really open to interpretation like one pe- one group of people would say this is a benevolent god others would say it's a malevolent god yeah based sure. on which scripture you're reading yep. <clears throat> when i was uh <clears throat> about 14 i started reading books by a man named zechariah sitchin have you ever heard of him probably if you tell me the works that he's done all right zechariah then- sitchin was famous for translating sumerian clay tablets that came out of uh early iraq in the 1900s he was a jewish man uh lived in israel most of his life as i recall and i'm a he's the only person who was ever able to translate these so i'm like a history buff mm-hmm. i love i love like all the ancient and hieroglyphs and all that. So I've probably I've probably heard of it, but, sure, in but passing. yeah, yeah, in passing. Like not specific name, but like well, hey, did you hear what such and such said was mm-hmm. you know, so go ahead, tell me the the uh So for my path as a young man, the same question that kind of befuddled you there, I actually found some stories to fill in the blanks with. Zechariah Sitchin, uh he claims that in these Sumerian clay tablets that he decoded that the Ancient Sumerians, who were the first civilization, they're famous for coming up with writing. They had a brilliant understanding of astronomy and astrology, both. Okay. So the movements of the stars and the zodiac of the stars. Uh, is my understanding they actually might have even been the people who developed the zodiac, which has a great influence later on on uh, Egypt, too. So some of their mythology, it's a little intercorrelated. But basically, <clears throat> what this man claims is that God descended upon earth before man was created in the way that you and I are. Yeah. By the hundreds, if not thousands. Okay. And it basically describes what one could call like an alien invasion of a pre-homo sapien earth. And these aliens, I guess I'll call them, you know, just to kind of speculate further. uh, They came to earth and they modified 
early primates with parts of their DNA. Some people say mitochondria yep. enhanced the powerhouse of the cells, which later led to us being able to eat meat and consume protein and grow larger yeah, neocortexes. So there's this proposal that basically in the Sumerian mythology that God was a bunch of people and that they yep. came to Earth and they created humans and they started having humans dig up gold and mm -hmm. working in mines. Well, <clears throat> he wrote a book uh, called The Lost Book of Enki, which is supposedly the novelization, if you would, of this story of the gods. Okay. And the god Enki was the biochemist who created humanity. And mm. he's pretty much solely responsible for Adam and Eve, the first humans. And he put in them uh, a higher ability to be more like the gods that they were. And they, they rebelled. And initially, uh, some people interpret what he... Well, he interpreted what these clay tablets said to say that we stole a nuke from the gods and we used it to bomb Eden, basically. Oh, and wow. And that was the devising... Uh, sort of thing with man and God. Yeah. So it's up to people to decide whether or not they want to accept this as the only interpretation of Sumerian mythology. Yeah. But it certainly stands there. The name that he gave them in his uh, translation was the Anunnaki. Okay. So apparently it was a race of godlike beings. So I, I feel... So two things that I think are ironic in the... Um, the... the society we live in now is that as of late I've been seeing a meme mm -hmm. and all it is is um, it's an alien and it's a monkey like a primate holding a baby in, in its arms and all the meme says was you're not ready for this conversation <laughs> And and yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And 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 so, what that makes me think is that we live in such a society and such a world that I think at the core level of humanity that we have an innate um, we have an innate gift for uh, exploring. Sure, yeah. And and seeking knowledge and wanting to be smarter than other people. Mm -hmm. And it's it's one of those weird things where like when I was in school, the smart kids were nerds. But as I got older and older and older, I began to learn that like knowledge was the greatest equalizer. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that we live in a society where like we have that shit where it's like, oh, are you woke? I'm woke. You're not woke? Whoa, bro, you better get on the woke train. Because, like, whatever, because fucking somebody made a movie about aliens one time, and I haven't seen it, so I'm not woke. Right. But I think that humanity, in its core, like, kind of knows when it's getting bullshitted. And some people don't, and we put a dunce hat on them. Well, see, that's the thing. Where do you draw the line? Like, I mean, like, who's to say that certain religions aren't duping people? Yeah, yeah. well, that's, but that's what I'm saying, is I think that we have such this challenge. We have a challenge between people to say, like, to hey, that's wrong. Yeah, yeah to yeah, differentiate to and to say, like, I mean, think about it, man. Like, we both said that we grew up in Christian church, and yet 
my latest thoughts on how my son is going to be an adult is whether or not the beings that God created after us, because he realized we were so messed up and so far gone in the first, what, two books of the Bible, (laughs) that, you know, my son's going to have to deal with the possibility that there's a creation out there that's way smarter than us, way better than us physically. I got one for you. Go ahead. Have you ever looked into the hierarchy of angels? No, I have not. Bro, do yourself a favor and, like, it'll take you five to ten minutes, but, like, look up even just the Christian hierarchy of angels. I'm going to pull up a picture right now for you. Yeah. Of... And I'm just going to Google. So you guys are just listening. I will put a video on Instagram for hierarchy of angels. Let me get my phone. I'm sorry, guys. We don't have Jamie to pull it up. Oh, yeah, we do. Jamie's just me. His name's Siri right now. Yeah. So here's what we're looking at. Uh, You Google hierarchy of angels and you get thrones, dominations, principalities, powers, virtues, archangels, and angels. Okay. Christian angelology. Mm. You ever heard of such a thing? Uh, something similar. Maybe not the same. I have looked at, like, Gabriel and, like, war. Like, angels that brought war were looked better than angels that brought peace. Something like, something like oh, that. Man. That might be a whole different that's, rabbit that's hole. That's like a portion, okay. barely, of what okay. like, yeah, I'm yeah, getting yeah. into here. So this, uh, the Wikipedia article, obviously do a big, further research than Wikipedia. Okay. But as a starting point, just to show you how accepted this interesting stuff is. Okay. Here are the contents. First sphere, you got seraphim, cherubim, and thrones. Now these are three different types of angels. Okay. Of the three different spheres that it's here listing. Next, you got dominions or lordships, virtues or strongholds powers or authorities and then in the third sphere principalities or rulers archangels and angels now i'm gonna just click any one of these i'm gonna start with let's say cherubim from the first sphere it's a whole different like form of an angel Mm. and it's in this hierarchy of being like one of the lower forms of like a, a important angel okay and so Another example of, like, a valued angel would be, like, the throne of God itself. These were angels. And one of them was a circle within a circle, like a wheel in a wheel. Yeah. And then the other was, like, a lion with, like, a bunch of human heads and, like, pretty much a, I don't know what kind of Harry Potter thing that is. All right. So I don't want to go, like, too far deep into... um well, that's just to illustrate well, what, how much, yeah, yeah. how many but, other creations there so supposedly this been, is this know? is what you made me think of, and one of the one of the biggest places in my bucket list, probably the one place that if somebody told me I was going to die tomorrow, sure, I would spend all my money to go to, was Egypt, mm-hmm. and because in history Egypt is the start of religion. And whether you use science or whatever, religion, whatever whatever you believe in, there's no question, there's never been a doubt that Egypt is the start of the uh, spiritual man. Yeah. And so something that you made me think of when you mentioned the spear was the show when we were kids, Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh. And they had the Egyptian gods, they mm-hmm. had Obelisk the Tormentor, okay. uh, 
uh, Slifer the Sky Dragon and Wind Dragon of Raw. I'm not nearly as familiar yeah. with as you. So, so, but but hear me out. Sure. So the Wind Dragon of Raw was supposedly like the god of Egypt, mm-hmm. and the other two Egyptian god cards were his followers. Like they would go before him and destroy. But when the Wind Dragon of Ra showed up, that was the end of time. Sure. Okay. Well. When it transferred over into actual Yu-Gi-Oh cards that you could buy, you couldn't buy a card called the Winged Dragon of Ra. You had to buy a card called the Sphere of Ra. And it was a sphere inside of a sphere. And that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I, I know Yu-Gi-Oh's got some of that, let's say, woke imagery. Oh, yeah. Obelisks. Yeah. Just the whole well, they have thing. Well, the, they have the pyramid with the Isn't eye. Isn't Yu-Gi-Oh turn into, like, the sorcerer himself or something? Yes. Yeah. I, yep. So that's one thing. Okay. that's uh, We've been talking about things that kind of correlate to this. Okay. And I want you to mention the book that I lent you by Paul Wagner. Yes. Because that book is distinctly about kind of the faces that a sorcerer wears, which I correlate to the same sort of imagery that they're talking about in Spider-Man Into the Multiverse, or Spider-Verse. Yeah. With everyone can wear the mask. Exactly. And that's what Paul Wagner kind of talks about, in that the magician is someone who can always change their face to match a circumstance. Mm. He's this kind of like... He's like a man of mystery in the sense that he can always be in tune with like his surroundings. You can adapt. Yeah, exactly. And I felt like that went along with really the Spider-Man message. If you guys haven't seen that movie, you should check it out. It's on Netflix, by the way. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's such a good movie. Yeah, man. And so, yeah, with the Spider-Man, with the multiverses and, and uh, stuff like that, like Avengers Endgame kind of hit on like quantum spoiler physics. Spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. Whoa, spoiler alert. <laughs> if you haven't seen it by now. Yeah, who the hell are you? Then you've. Definitely, the re-release already came out, but um, Blu-ray next month, I think. So. Yeah, exactly. Get on it. Uh, they talked about, you know, time travel, quantum physics, uh, pin particles, things like that, and I was so excited to to see it, and then to talk to you about it because you know with physics and things like that. So tell me, like. With everything that we've talked about so far, like simulations, aliens, things like that. Sure. And and I'm a firm believer in media mm-hmm. kind of um, foreshadows the future. Sure, yeah. And so like... If it's not even a guiding... Yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. And like, so I think that like social media has controlled politics and um, and social attitudes towards things. And then, like, movies give us these, like, ideas of what could possibly happen. Like, I mean, think about, like, the very first movie that launched a spaceship before we ever went to space. Right, it like, was visionary. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And like to the people, people who witnessed it for the first time, they were like, wow, this is just... That's a, what if we could do this kind of thing? Yeah, and how many, how many, like, people got inspired by... A movie to do something you know what i'm saying it's like freaking scarface in the 80s <laughs> can't tell you how many yeah. movies i've heard say that yeah exactly yeah. but i mean yeah so so tell me what you think about like one do you think that avengers endgame gave um did justice to the ideas that they were trying to represent yeah and then 
explain to me the importance of conveying that message in a movie. Totally. That's those are really great points, and I'm really honestly glad that you would even postulate these sort of questions to me because I this is the sort of thing I I spend most of my free time kind of meandering on, obviously. So I would say that the representation was what I would call uh, beautiful in terms of storytelling and in terms of it being the finale of, what was it, how many years? Was it 10 years? 10 years? 10 years. 21 movies, right? Yep. And just to end such a cultural phenomenon, the amount of information, mimetically speaking, that this movie is going to transmit to this generation and to future generations is immense and the reason for that is because of one of the things that you know is my favorite part of the movie the pim particles yes tony stark's gps space-time tech because what those two things did well specifically the pim particle and this wasn't obviously an endgame thing if you've seen ant-man you kind of knew it was coming yep but hank pym in the technology that he was conducting in the mcu was essentially breaking down the the disconnect between classical physics or Newtonian physics and quantum physics. And really, that's like the most important thing right now. That's what Stephen Hawking was spending his really lifetime of studies on, was figuring out how to kind of bridge the two. And that was where the idea of a theory of everything comes from. One sort of grand unified theory that with this theory alone, you could start a universe with, essentially. Okay. And... What Hank Pym's technology did was it branched those two fields of physics, quantum physics and classical physics, through essentially what we know as wormhole technology. Uh, The quantum tunnel, right? That's the perfect example of a wormhole. Yeah. They were literally sucked into, like, what looked like Stargate or, you know, whatever sort of thing. And so it's only fanciful in the sense that what they did was bridge these two physics. But the way they did it was rather ingenious because it involves what... They call a Bose-Einstein, sorry, yeah, is it Rosenbridge-Einstein-Rosenbridge. Okay, yeah. That totally Yeah, you're good, you're good. Nobody would have known if you were wrong. (laughs) I could have just made up some (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Einstein-Rosenbridge, which Einstein and uh, Rosen, both physicists in the 1920s, theorized as what we call wormholes, or essentially like a stargate, or what they use the quantum tunnel. Okay. That is a wormhole. That is the same as the Devil's Anus from Ragnarok, if you've yeah, seen that movie. Yeah, yep. If you don't know what we're talking about, go watch Thor Ragnarok. It's a great movie. Agreed. For real. All of them are. Yeah, might as well just watch the whole MCU if you're listening to this. Yeah, for sure. If you, if you found your way to this podcast and you've actually listened all the way up to this point, then yeah. you might as well go watch all the MCU, start researching aliens, and... Uh, <laughs> And accept that you might be yeah. an NPC in Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, so all right. So now that we have an idea of what they were representing, this brings me to a whole nother part of what I was perceiving in Endgame with Hank Pym. So with him working with um, who is he working with? Shield. Right. And messing with things from time and all this all this stuff and then you fast forward to Ant Man where it's kinda like frowned upon what he was partaking in with the sure, yeah. with the um 
the FBI was on his case the yeah, whole time. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So all of that made me think of Bob Lazar. Mm. And he might be our real world Hank Pym kind of. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. and, and so I'm gonna give a quick rundown of what I know about Bob Lazar. For sure. And then I'm gonna give the floor to you because you're gonna have way more uh, insight on the importance of what the things that he has said, uh, how that actually affects us. I'd be happy to elaborate on anything. Yeah. Say. So, so from what I understand, and I'm going to make it, I'm going to try to make it under two minutes, <laughs> is that Bob Lazar worked for Area 51. He exposed all of these things that were happening with the government, and that we had alien technology. And we had these advanced technologies that the world has never seen before. And the only reason why he exposed it was because he felt like it should be illegal for the government to withhold that information from the general population. With that, he said that there was alien spacecrafts and he exposed like a technology that measured the, the size of your hand or whatever it was. And essentially what it they- It was the hand scanner. Yeah, the hand scanner. Yeah. And essentially what happened was the CIA, the FBI, everything tried to discredit him. They, they erased his birth certificate. They erased his high school education, college education. They erased his work history. Sure. Essentially he was never born, he never existed. But in the last 30 years in which he had exposed all this information, which one, he never made any money off of. And then two, after 30 years of telling the same exact story, he has never veered from the original story that he made uh, uh, 30 years ago. When he was and like an anonymous caller. Exactly. And, and so, you know, after these 30 years go past, certain things have come up that solidify his story more and more. And information has came out that the government did have access to a scanner that could measure the hands and sure. da da da. And information came out that he did go to school at this place right. and he did work in this building. And so what I thought about being a veteran, and we talked about this before we got on the podcast, was that like I had a secret clearance. I was working with technology that if I would have lost, the entire base that I was working on would have been shut down until it was found. Right. And that's only the one level up of the clearances. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't imagine the clearance that's required to work on Area 51 in the 80s and if, if most civilians have no clue what's going on in a military base, then me as a veteran and you as a veteran, we couldn't even imagine what's going on in Area 51. Right. You get what I'm saying? Absolutely. I mean, it's got to be inconceivable. Yeah. So I want to I wanna open the floor to you. And I know I kind of like, I, I kind of went long-winded yeah, to that those was good okay that all right yeah yeah solid all introduction right. about so, bizarre i think yeah so go I think ahead he, i think he wouldn't uh disagree with your introduction to be honest with you he seems like the kind of person who's very upfront about this if not uncomfortable to even discuss it and i could understand why 
So uh, to elaborate, the one of the things that people try to pin him on is uh, the laboratory that he was working on when he was hired from Area 51 yeah. was Los Alamos Laboratory. Yep. Now to give you some context about the viewers and listeners, sorry, uh, what Los Alamos Laboratory is like, I, as someone who is trying to get a PhD in physics, yeah. specifically quantum physics, ideally would try to get the next level security clearance from top secret, which is Q clearance. And it's only issued by the Department of Energy. Now, if I had a Q clearance, I would do the sort of work that Bob Lazar is claiming to do at Los Alamos today. Uh, the other thing on that subject is that <clears throat> this uh, Q clearance, the only other people that we know definitively throughout history that have had the Q clearance were individuals who worked on the Manhattan Project, which, if you're familiar with, was our yep. nation's rush to build the nuclear bomb. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, to give a little context to the sort of work that Bob Lazar was in, he was also a physicist. And if you go and you watch his Netflix movie, as a listener, I want you to answer the question of whether or not you think he's hiding a certain element 115 if you want yep. to block this word out when we edit this or whatever. Yeah, free, yeah, yeah, Because sure. it might be necessary. But basically what Bob's saying is that he smuggled out this uh, anti-gravity element that... No, he refused refined. to talk about well, it. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was I, one of those... He refused to answer the question of whether or not he had it, certainly. Yeah, it's, it's like admitting to stealing the car but you say you didn't touch the steering wheel right because you have an alibi that yeah. places you out of town yeah that exactly that's yeah. that's what he did and uh well that's what that's what it's i think that's what makes it worse that's what makes it compelling as a viewer I yeah think. exactly it's like, like you're, you're one trapped wonder if, if you can say like if if i'm gonna go on record <laughs> and i'm gonna say hey man i worked on an alien spacecraft i saw aliens I also saw this thing that I was never supposed to see, and now the government is trying to shut me down because I'm talking about it. Right. But I never saw the element 115. I never saw that. Trust me. Never saw it. Well, <clears throat> you know I guess it's left to our listeners' logic to ascertain whether or not this man has such said uh, things. But yeah. if you watch this movie on Netflix, I, I personally, I was left at the end of this movie almost convinced that this man wouldn't have had anything to worry about if he hadn't smuggled out this element 115. Yeah. To me, it sure. makes sense that the reason he would come out about this was so that they wouldn't snuff him because he's a public figure now. Um, so, to me, it seems like it's a... I don't want to put him, Bob Lazar in danger. As a matter of fact, my father was telling me the other day he, I should reach out to him. Yes. And talk to him about Yeah, this. for sure. But, um, what I think... I think that he used his publicity as a safety net. And I also think that in a time where everything is now uh, um, objective, yeah. I think it's more relevant now to talk about the things that he was claiming to see and participate in than ever. Well, even if... Let's go with the premise that Bob Lazar is just a man who's compiled a very interesting story that's fictional. Yeah. The subjects of his story or something, and I think this is kind of what you're saying, is 
there's something that we should be talking about right now. Exactly. It's important yep. for our future. The, the concept behind anti-gravity isn't so far flung. <clears throat> I've shown you the E8 lattice, correct? Yes. So, to our listeners, if you haven't heard of the E8 lattice, there's a geometric figure that has 200 and, I want to say it's 48 points, and each point in this geometric shape is to represent a particle that exists in our universe. However, if you know anything about science, you know that there's only 224 particles. So physicists who have developed this model of the universe are basically pulling out of this geometric shape the possibility that there's 24 particles that are un unobserved in our universe, which okay. leaves open yeah, yeah. the possibility for something like a gravitron or yeah, whatever, for sure. whatever you would name the particle that would be for gravity, essentially. Not okay. to mention, what if we have t particles of time that we've as of yet undiscovered? That yeah. would also be a wave as well. So how does that work? How does gravity and time work in waves and particles? Those are things that physicists are answering. And people like Bob Lazar, the stuff that he's talking about directly correlates to this. So yeah. that's where people start getting into the stuff about <clears throat> simulation theory, is that if you can break down our universe into all these weird little things, then how is it not a simulation? Yeah, well, see, and the funny thing is, is that I was just thinking about how I would um, connect the simulation theory to Bob Lazar and, and the reason why I think that there is a connection and that they're both relevant to each other is the idea that something in the future, something that is more advanced than us mm -hmm. is going to create whatever. And sure. so if we think about ourselves as human beings in 2019 and the, uh, um, we're a first world country and we're a lot more advanced than other parts of the world. Um, how often do we go into other parts of the world to intervene and or whatever? And I'm not talking about war. I'm talking about in times to help. Sure. Um, how many times do we make mistakes? Right. And so if if I was going to apply the same theory of like Bob Lazar saying that there was alien spaceships and the government knew about this and da di da di da and to create an uproar, uh, an uproar mm -hmm. then my theory and my my understanding of the entire situation would be that, yes, there is something that's futuristic or at least more advanced than we are. Sure. And one of them made a mistake. One of them drank and drived, <laughs> like whatever, whatever, whatever yeah, it is. Captain's you know what I'm saying? Yeah, or or he he pulled too close to the atmosphere and got pulled into the gravity, and he broke the rules. And there's a reason why we have one spaceship, but yet we've had situations where other people have thought they saw UFOs. It's because we're trying to fix that one guy's mistake still and 30 years is a long time to us but to whatever's in front of us whatever species or or being is in front of us right um 30 years might be fucking nothing to them well relativity aside the instance of let's say a creature that lives 30 years of life but it's only the same sort of life quality as maybe 10 years of our life yeah. so there'd be like a 3 to 1 ratio uh, sorry 10 uh, 3 to 1 yeah yeah, yeah so, 3 to sorry. 1 sorry <laughs> the math is not on my side today but anyways um, 
Yeah, so with that sort of thing, relativity aside, what I like the idea of is the possibility that there are life forms that exist outside of time. Okay. So take the idea of what would say like a fourth, what some would say is a fourth, four-dimensional being, something okay. that is not constrained by time. Well, the weird thing that comes along with that because of something we call space-time is that if you take away an ability of something to exist in time, you also take away its ability to exist in space. Okay. So this theoretical four-dimensional being technically could be inhabiting the same, let's say, local region of the universe as you. Yes. And you would have no external factors to correlate with that. So some say this is like where we get ghosts kind of thing. Okay. There's the possibility that they just exist outside of time and that we're seeing sort of a uh, static, if you would, from the quantum realm that's kind of correlating over from a let's say, a region where time isn't the same as here. Yeah. And the idea that something could exist in a place where time doesn't exist, I think is a fascinating concept. Because then how would they view time? Yeah. Would they well, be able, like, interstellar? So, Have yeah. you seen that? Yeah, yeah. So, well, because kind of what you're saying about existing in a place that, that time doesn't exist, right? Well, it made me think, again, of Avengers Endgame, where... Uh, Ant Man is saying, "Yeah, it was five years for you, oh, but it was five. Yeah. It was five hours for me." Right. And so the idea that when he came back, he knew to panic. The thing is, in in the beginning, and again, spoiler alert: <laughs> when he came out of the the quantum realm, he was hunky dory walking with his little. Um, shopping cart or whatever whatever it was and then once he saw that kid and everything was abandoned then he started to realize something was going on yeah there was a scene where he looked at a like a light pole or something yeah exactly there was a bunch of missing wanted yeah 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 sort of thing and he had this look of dread and so for him to understand and the thing is like the the ongoing joke about it is is that he scott lang is messing with time and he's messing with with physics and all this stuff by growing and small as an atom and things like that but the joke of the marvel universe is that he's an idiot yeah he doesn't know what the hell he's he doesn't know what he's doing but in this specific case he was aware enough to know right hold on five hours passed for me five years passed for you so that illustrates something that i think is like vastly important that is kind of happening in today's society is an understanding of kind of like quantum principles okay if you look at what scott lang was able to figure out if he didn't know anything about quantum physics he ultimately it's implied wouldn't have been able to postulate the idea that maybe we can travel through time exactly but because he was involved in this and because he was starting to envelop his life in things that are quantum it's hard for anyone to understand quantum stuff yeah anything Anything quantum, especially it's basically, me. it's beyond yeah. us biologically, though. We, yeah, we, for we sure. really didn't develop as a species that needs to understand what quantum is. So yeah, I don't think yeah. it's in our innate nature to think, "Hey, what's going on outside of our realm of um, like almost our realm of consequences?" That is, what I think that's I think that's our core value. Is as human beings, we tend to focus 
solely on things that'll either benefit us or um, break us down. And so that's why, like, in 2019, we're well aware that there's kids starving in America, but I'll throw away a cheeseburger because the fucking bread is cold. Right. Like yeah. that's you know what I'm saying? Like that and I'm not saying well, that, I do that. The, I, I I'm saying macro. like that's yeah, sort of yeah, the yeah. bigger picture. So the things with quantum physics are the things that are smaller than what mm-hmm. we can perceive. And so something like a Planck moment of time, which is something like ten to the negative forty something uh seconds, which is a ridiculous number if you look at it. It's something like I'm making this up, but I assume like a trillionth of a second. I'm not, I haven't really like dug too deep into like individual Planck units, but this is essentially the smallest amount of time that physicists can figure out. And so the real question is, is like, if you look at the universe like that, then is that going to affect how you observe the universe? Because we as humans didn't develop to look at light traveling in individual photons what we observe is kind of the after product of light traveling as oh yeah for sure yeah yeah so that's so that's actually why it's so hard for us to understand quantum physics we just biologically weren't developed to do so yeah and and you know what it is man and and so i'm glad you said that because i think coming from a much deeper place of understanding which i i truly believe and know that you have on physics is that i don't think that we are meant as human beings to have it so easy. Right. And, and that's what I'm saying about like, we live in our realm of, um, we live in our realm of consequences. So our ancestors, they, they paid attention to the sun only so that they knew to start a fire at night. They didn't know why the sun was up there, but they knew to start a fire at night and then go past that to like, whatever. Hey, now we need to transfer information. So maybe we need to write letters with ink and a feather so that we can send it to other people because we shouldn't be holding this information to ourselves. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, now to the point where we have endless information. At least in the physical world, we have endless information. Now, does that information bring us further or closer to what I think is the next being that we might be, whether that be AI or whether that be aliens or whatever it is, that's uh, to be determined. Sure. Because some people, I, I mean, we had a conversation about this in English class one time where it was like, are cell phones bad for kids, whatever it is. Right. Well, the thing is, like, what if you you yeah, if you use your cell phone to play fucking Floppy Bird, then <laughs> and so many people do. Yeah, I, yeah, I laugh yeah. That, well, because I I don't even play games. Exactly. I have some, and it's for the event that like a kid who I'm with is yeah. like, yo, dude, do you have any cool cell phone games? Exactly. You know, and I'm gonna be like staring at the wall while this kid's enjoying the shit out of him. Exactly. Because that's the sacrifice yeah, yeah. I'm gonna make. <laughs> and and so like are you using your cell phone to play floppy bird? Or are you using your cell phone to research every question right. that you've ever had ever? And to say that like AI is out of the question 
goes back to like what Elon Musk said is that we're already AI oh. because we have our phones in our pockets. One of my favorite things that Elon Musk said, and I think it's the same interview that you're referencing, is he said that he thinks humanity serves as a kind of artificial bootloader for artificial intelligence. Now, for those of you who <clears throat> might not know what I'm saying, uh, a bootloader is what your computer uses when it boots up and it loads information off of, let's say, C drive or D drive. Now, the proposal Elon Musk is making here is that at some point in human history, beyond probably what we could even conceive of, we started making decisions that would inevitably lead to artificial intelligence. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is now, and I, I hope that there's no one out there that doesn't think that we're on this path, because we are. And if you're alive listening to this right now, you're going to be alive when AI comes out. Oh, yeah. More than likely. Yeah, for sure. The likelihood of that is like, <laughs> it's, it's in your favor. Let's just say that. Yeah, well, so, I, the other day I went to Walmart and I posted this on my Snapchat and I'll post this on my Instagram when this, uh, when this podcast goes live. Um, of Walmart has an AI robotic cleaner for the floors. No shit. Just cleaning the floors. While, while I was walking through Walmart, there was a machine cleaning the floors. There was nobody <laughs> holding it. There was nobody anything. Have you ever had like, was, a friend who has a Roomba or anything like that? No, yeah, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but that's but this that was, was like the this was, yeah, yeah, but this was like big. Really? And it was like, man, it just... To think that it wasn't going to run into any person that was shopping or anything like that. It's like a stretch of the imagination. Yeah, it was, it was like was fake. It was, it, I couldn't believe... Seemed like a gimmick. Yes, I couldn't believe that there was a machine cleaning the floors while I was walking behind it in Walmart. Because what if it ran me over? What if it this? What if... But it what didn't. What if it looked at you and just decided to break the mop and fucking put it yeah, in your skull? Yeah, exactly. Like it did, <laughs> but it didn't. It didn't. That's what I'm Appreciate saying. It. Yeah. And not so, to fearmonger because I. That's one thing I hate is the the idea that the robots are gonna kill us. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, sorry, no, no, no. You're good. You're good. But I. Because that's fiction to me. Yeah, but see, but that's what I'm saying though. Is like, it goes back to your point of like it's already here. Yeah. It's already in your face. You're just not paying attention to it. And it goes back to a conversation that I have very frequently with people is that I wish that the toughest decision I had in the day is whether or not I was upset that they changed the race of a character that I liked. For like sure. this like this whole thing about like Ariel being casted as an African American. <laughs> uh, not my Ariel. Yeah, not my Dude, Ariel. That's fucking But the thing is is like I don't care what Ariel looks like because it's a made up character. And I don't care who they cast for anything as long as they stay true to the movie or or at least make a good movie. Right. But I wish that my life was so easy that that's all you had to that worry about. That was all I had to worry about. For real. And I could wake up in the morning and say, you know what? I'm just really angry that they made uh, African-American Ariel. And, and I can devote my day to talking shit online. I'm going to a lot of fans right now, and I'm going to do the same and say that that was how I felt about the whole 
Captain Marvel thing. Yeah. Every everything about kind of the whole Brie Larson thing, as it transpired, I followed it. I understood why fans would be upset, but what she said was actually taken out of context. You and me watched the yeah. like the whole thing. It's one of those kind of interviews where. So the whole statement was like, uh, she doesn't need a white dude's opinion on a wrinkle in time, right? But yeah. Like, if you're listening to the whole interview contextually, she's not saying, like, she doesn't care about white people. She's not saying that they don't matter. Getting involved in all of that to begin with yeah. is just such a fruitless effort to begin with. It yeah, that's me a of one slippery thing, slope, It reminds man. me of when the girl that you pissed off at college about peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. Yes, yes. Long story short, Yonaro offhand said something about peanut butter and jelly, talking shit about it. Yeah, I... And this girl hears my, him. Yeah, yeah. So my <laughs> my statement was was about the Uncrustables, the peanut butter and jelly little... You, you fucking uh, put them in a the toaster. Yeah, you put them in a toaster, yeah, whatever yeah. it is. And all I said, this girl said, oh, I had an Uncrustable the other day or whatever. Mm. And jokingly... I said, I don't eat Uncrustables. They're for poor people. Okay? That's so not she, true. Yeah, yeah. That's like the opposite. She didn't get offended. The girl sitting behind her got offended. And when she told me that she was offended, I asked her, well, have you ever been poor? And she said, no. And I said, well, I have. Have you ever been homeless or not had a place to stay. For real. And she said, no. And I said, well, I have. Have you ever had to eat a fucking Uncrustable because that's all you had to eat? She said, no. I said, me either, because I couldn't afford them. <laughs> so, so I don't understand, like, and then it went to that thing of like, she had I this wish. Sense of entitlement. Yeah, like, she had this thing where it's like, oh man, here's my perfect chance to stand up for poor people. When in reality, it was a joke. And the other thing is like, I wish that my life was so fucking simple, was so easy that I could be upset that Captain Marvel is a woman. For real. That Ariel is now an African American in the live action. Or that Uncrustables aren't for poor people. And look, I'm going to say it. I'm going to go on the record here and <laughs> yeah. say it, That I've worked like 12-hour shifts as a video game store manager. Yeah. A dead-end job. Having to drive an hour across town. Barely making enough money to cover the gas, let alone to have the car that I had. Yeah. You know, I've been in that situation where you think you're fucking doing well and you're just... You're really not. You're stuck in a shitty spot. And straight up, bro, like, I worried about shit that fucking didn't matter. And yeah. I'm sorry to drop all the F-bombs. You can no, you're good. Them. You're good. Don't but that's the shit. reality of the yeah. matter is that we all don't have the luxury to sit around and worry about simulation theory. I get that. Yeah. We all don't have the luxury to sit around and wonder if or not there's aliens. I've met dudes in the infantry specifically, one dude, who didn't like to read or watch or listen to fiction. He just said it was a waste of time. Why would I do that? It's not real. Yeah, yeah. And I got that. I was like, damn, homie, that's like, <clears throat> that's profound. Yeah, that yeah, really for is. sure. Like, yeah. to dig into that and, like, think about, like, you know, how much fiction do you spend your time with? Exactly. But also, I think when you're someone who has a vision, yeah. like, fiction can help you kind of paint that vision. Yep. And that's why things like, you know, we've been talking about the MCU. 
Yeah. Like, me as a young physicist, the work that Tony Stark and Hank Pym did is the same sort of work that I hope I can one day do. Yeah, exactly. Like, and well, that's, you know... And, and, th- and that's what I'm saying, is that I think we're at a point where we, we do not have the luxury to not think about this. Right. And so as you're saying, like, yes, yeah, some people don't have the luxury to think about it. Well, yeah, of course. Like, if I'm uh, if I'm some fucking, and, and I'm not trying to whatever. If I'm if I'm living in a <laughs> in a war ridden country. Oh yeah. Where my main concern is whether or not my house gets shot up tonight, or blown up, or, or if the rice is gonna have rats in it. Yeah, yeah, or like whatever. And 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 I'm not even thinking about like lunch. I'm thinking about my meal for the week, then, yeah, man, you don't have to, uh, don't fucking worry about aliens. Right. As, as humans, as human beings and all the, uh, technology and all the advances that we've made, there shouldn't be countries like that in the world anyway. Well, that's like the last podcast you did with me, uh, was, was it knowledge with responsibility? Knowledge with is responsibility, yep. Yeah, and... I think that as a late 20s male who yeah. is living the life of a veteran currently in college, I have the privilege to worry about a lot of things that other people don't. Yeah. And someone you know who I to- learned a lot from was Jordan Peterson. Yes. And Jordan Peterson, for our listeners, one of the things that he espouses that I think is the most valuable takeaway is that you should attempt to conceive of your highest, best possible self. And if you align yourself with that and pursuit-wise, that that's what you're pursuing in your life, that you will, by a natural byproduct of that, exude a benefit to humanity. And that was where I kind of came with my space colonization thing. The, one of the three things that he kind of says, you know, as a listener that you should ask yourself is what do you want to see in the world? Uh, how can you get there, and will it help other people? And that's how I got to space colonization. It's the number one thing I would love to do is live yeah. and die in space. Yeah, yeah. I would absolutely prefer that over death on Earth. Yeah. Well, the other question is how can I get there? Well, let's start by getting a physics degree. Let's start by digging into some of the history of space colonization and working on the revitalization of it. And three, will this benefit other people? I think absolutely something like space colonization could benefit billions potentially yeah so sure in the words of jordan peterson pursue what you can envision as your highest best possible self yeah and yeah man and and man you hit so many gems on that but um thank you that was a a little long-winded no 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 you're good man this is why i love doing these podcasts and this is why i I completely shifted the view that I had of this podcast because I wanted to get more conversations of people that would were were more passionate about what they were talking about than just saying, "Hey, I want you to bring I want to bring you onto my podcast, but I want you to fit into this little box that I've decided the podcast was." Sure, you yeah. get what I'm saying. And so, um, yeah, man, I think like like you said, like I think that. What you were saying about Jordan Peterson is that you should think about your best self and what you can offer to people and what you can offer to yours, which you can essentially like give to the world through yourself. And that's one of the benefits is that naturally 
your best self will benefit others. Exactly. Because what's good for one person is oftentimes good for many. Yeah. And not in some sort of collectivist, socialist, communist way. Yeah. But if you're a happy person, the people around you are likelier to be happy. I think that the the problem with how we live in a society, how we live in society today, and I think there's going to be two parts to this, is that I think that one, we have so many people worried about the wrong thing. Sure. And again, it goes back to that idea of like, I wish that my biggest concern could be an uncrustable. I wish that my biggest concern was, are you left or are you right? Are you, are you, you know, uh, uh, what is the freaking, I, I don't even know. Like well, I see for me, yeah. it's whether or not there's aliens, that's not relevant, but what's relevant yeah. is whether or not we have technology from them. Yeah, exactly. I could care and, less about some of these other byproducts of our advancements. Yeah. And, and for me, I think that my entire, um, I think my entire view on the world and what I want to see come from it has to do with like being a father. Yeah. And I think that one of the biggest things for me is that like, I hope that one day we live in a society where at least the majority of people are looking out for each other. And we're not living in a society where like, tribalism and and taking sides and worrying about stupidity of like social media and going viral and all these things that potentially like poison your mind and i and i wanted to talk about um your diet is not just what you eat it's what you consume visually it's what you consume via audio it's what you it's what you allow your body to feel you know yeah and um i think you know, with this idea of simulations and the idea of aliens and and the idea of like space colonization because we know that we're destroying our planet. Like, do I get to have that luxury of worrying about whether or not, you know, the Yankees win the freaking uh whatever. I don't I don't even know what baseball Well see I I actually I'm glad you went down that path. Because I feel like a lot of people that I know prioritize whether or not the Yankees won or who's playing football this year and yeah. who's fucking winning along the, you know, <clears throat> the terms of the tournaments and whatnot. I, for any sport, really, I think there's a facet of our cultural media consumption that is entirely based on distraction. Let me... Oh, I want to interrupt you real quick. Sure. Because I think this fits perfectly in what you're saying and I'm going to actually one-to-one ratio that type of stupidity is that people are concerned about which team made the playoffs or which team is playing in the finals just like people are concerned on what religion you follow what tribe you identify as rather than worrying about whether you're a good person or you're being a member of society in a positive way I didn't mean to interrupt go ahead no 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 I think that's I mean, that's on point, essentially, because it's not just a matter of your sports team. I don't want to just dog on the sports people. Yeah. I want to also dog on the religion people, yep. because you are also being entirely misguided. There are facets of our reality that are being uncovered by hard science, irrefutable science, that is really pointing us in a direction that we have not begun yet to engage upon culturally. Mm. 
And I think that this future that we're kind of not accepting yet is sort of the future that we see in things such as Endgame, where yep. something such as time travel is easily accomplished. Yeah. And it doesn't end at time travel. It begins at time travel, continues on to free energy, food for everyone, yep. oxygen for everyone on every planet in the solar system. And I'm talking about colonies on Jupiter having adequate oxygen as well as the appropriate uh, conditions for scrubbing oxygen. So this, what you just said, made me think of two things. Sure. So it made me think of, like you said, like of Endgame, where Thanos said that instead of destroying half of all life, he would destroy all of it. Break it down to atoms. Break it down to atoms, restart it so they wouldn't know the loss that they suffered. Right. Right? Well, then, in the parody of it, it was like, hey, instead of destroying half of all living beings, why don't you just double the resources? Right, right. And he said, if you double the resources, they'll just burn through that too. Right, the the population will grow to an even further density. Yeah, exactly. That's why we need something like free energy. Yeah, but what that made me think about is the... Bob Lazar, Eric Weinstein type of comments where like Eric Weinstein said that the key to physics now is to figure out another source of being able for all of us to live in the future that isn't Earth, the moon or Mars. And because all we're going to do is destroy Earth, go to the moon, destroy the moon, go to Mars destroy Mars. And even if that's thousands of years away, we're going to do it. And so instead of waiting till then and saying, hey, I'm not going to be alive to see that, he's saying, I have this crazy thesis, this crazy idea that either I'm a complete lunatic (laughs) or this might just work, but we need to find a way to create something other than the only three options we have. And think about it, man. Like think about today's society and where nobody accepts just three options. Nobody, like if you went on YouTube and you could only pick out of three videos, you wouldn't go on YouTube. If you went on Netflix and you could only look at three movies, you wouldn't go on Netflix. You You would automatically buy the, the, the system that offered you four movies yep. just because it wasn't three. So why are we so set as a society in science and math and all these things where the guy, one of the people, and I'm not just saying him, I'm saying like people that are really investing their time into this, sure. like you, that, oh, no, 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 we only have three options. Why are we so invested in the idea that we only have three options when we have these these people that are opening these doors for us that are saying, hey, we might actually be living in a simulation. Okay, well, if we are, we need to figure out how best to operate through this simulation. Sure. Bob Lazar says, hey, man, there, there might be alien beings with much better technology than we have. Well, why aren't we saying, well, if there are aliens with much better technology than we have, why aren't we 
trying to to reach out or or to whatever to understand so that maybe we can live longer because we're already destroying this planet. Right. It's already happening. Well, <clears throat> that was good. And there's a lot of things that I could touch on on that. But I think to try to continue and elaborate on where you're going. Um, so one of the higher end things in physics that people theorize that we can do is build something called a Dyson sphere. Have you ever heard of this? I think it's a you've pocket told me universe. If you remember in Dragon Ball Z when they used the hyperbolic time chamber, yes, that was essentially a Dyson sphere. Okay. So the thing with the Dyson sphere is Eric Weinstein, as you know, has been kind of talking about, as you were saying, the other options outside of the main three, right? Yeah. Yep. So Earth, Moon, and Mars. One of these other theoretical options would be, and this, this to me is almost completely unrelated to, but directly correlated with, if that makes sense, yes. I hope, yeah, the yeah. simulation theory. It's the idea that we can create a force field that within it would be able to contain a micro-universe, like I said, a pocket universe. Yeah, for sure. And so what that would allow for is us to pretty much go into the Matrix, is essentially what that is. Uh, if you listen to the recent Joe Rogan uh, experience, which I know you did with Eric, he talked about the portals. Yes. That's exactly what that is. He said the Matrix was a portal. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of taking you from the, the plain, regular world into the, the world of exploring and you're sort of called forth into adventure. So yeah. I think that that's what these technologies represent for humanity. Yeah. Because it'll open up, I think fundamentally, the possibility for us to travel throughout different universes and throughout time. Yeah. It, like, naturally almost. So what I want to say, and you kind of just opened the door for this whole discussion and... and I really didn't even think you were going to go with something like that. Sure. Um, so two things. So something that I heard um, Joe Rogan say when he was talking to, I forget which politician, about um, universal... Um, basic income? Basic income. Sure. And then what I heard Eric Weinstein talk about today about um, how... Essentially, he was going to try to get more women into the STEM fields with um, whatever. And so basically what Joe Rogan was saying was if you give people money, sure. then like enough money to live, then will that money allow them to live a fulfilling life? Well, the first question is, what are you going to do with that money? If you're going to take that money and you're going to pay your rent you're gonna pay your bills, but you're still gonna waste your life away, then maybe we're enabling you to do wrong. Right. But he said that there needs to be a sense of financial freedom in order for people to truly figure out where their lives can go and what like creativity or purpose they have in life when they don't have to worry every single day about paying bills and whatever. And so what that made me think about was with um, Eric Weinstein and he said that he wants to get more women into the STEM field. Sure. And Joe Rogan said, well, why aren't they in the STEM field? And he said that in order to make more women pursue uh, further careers in science that aren't usually lucrative, 
until you get late into your career is that um, you have to give them money up front. And this isn't like a feminist or manist thing to say sure. is that most men care more about their, their um, careers than they do about families. Mm -hmm. And vice versa, most women care more about their families than they do their careers. Right. And so if we could find a way to give women more money in the beginning of their careers so that they can, one, be able to have a family and be able to provide for that family while still seeking education and seeking further exploration through science, that maybe we could open way more doors through women and their intelligence than men have been able to achieve. Absolutely. And, and, and so before anybody takes that the wrong way, Essentially, what he's saying is that we have done an incredible injustice by not giving more women the opportunities to explore science as far as men have, and that we should create an environment and a society in which we push women to explore and to invent a lot more because we are missing out on their inventions and their explorations. Go ahead. No, I mean, I think that's a, that's a really fundamentally important thing going forward. And I believe that there is such thing as like phallic thinking. Yeah. The, the premise that there's thought that at its very roots is based entirely in the mentality of a man. Yes. Something that a woman can't really relate to, you know, ultimately. And I think that it would be doing a massive injustice to science in the future if we didn't involve people of all backgrounds. Ultimately. Yes. Yep. And not to take away from the plight of women in STEM. I think that is of the utmost importance because it will diversify the thinking in STEM. Yeah, obviously. and we need, their, we need their different points of view. Certainly. But yep. what I also would like is to hear... The educated opinions of, say, someone who's a Sherpa in Nepal on oh, quantum yeah. physics. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Because I think the thing is, is too, with something like quantum physics, and if people don't know this, this is really how it is, is that we're still interpreting it. Most yeah. of what we know about quantum physics is ultimately still theory and conjecture. And so, really, there's someone out there who... We don't know yet, but they don't know yet, but they're going to be the ones that solve quantum physics. Yeah, for sure. At least sure. that relates it to everyday life. Mm -hmm. That'll be the thing that changes the world. That'll be the breakthrough, the particle, the, the Stark Tech GPS of space-time. Yeah. It'll be that groundbreaking technology that Bob Lazar talks about. And that, I think, goes into the thing, if you've heard of the technological singularity. Yes. That, like, one day we're just going to develop a technology that... From there on, it's never the same. Yeah. It'll be groundbreaking. And For sure. I think that's kind of in the future of quantum technologies. That's last summer, actually. Um, in the most simplest ways, last summer what I was hoping to do at USC was to do research on machine learning with artificial... Sorry, artificial intelligence machine learning with quantum computers. Uh, my theory is that combining the two would work as like a human brain for AI. Yeah. So... You know, that, that sort of stuff is not out of reach. That's the sort of yeah, thing for that sure. everyone can, you know, 
if they have internet access, can get involved in. Yeah. Well, and and that's the thing, and I, and I think like like I said, like the whole reason why um, I honestly wanted to have this conversation was because I think we've both been somewhat smart enough and maybe dumb luck enough to put ourselves in positions in which we are willing to struggle now to profit later. And not a lot of people, like I said, like if you're in a country where all you're worried about is not dying tomorrow, maybe you don't get to feel that same freedom that I've worked for to, to feel. Absolutely. And I mean, the, I mean, I've told you this before, like the rest of my life, I plan on working my ass off for myself. But in order to the reason why I want to work my ass off so hard is because I get to have the freedom to think the way I want to think. Right. And I honestly think like simulation, Bob Lazar, Eric Weinstein, these ideas of bettering the world and bettering humanity and and opening up these opportunities for mankind not just ourselves but for mankind comes with the freedom of not being so tied down to society or to your obligations at work where you hate your fucking job for 40 hours a week and you're supposed to come home and be creative but you have to watch your kids and the dog shit on the rug so now you're pissed and that ruined your whole day and you don't spend quality time with your wife because you're not mad at your wife, but you're mad that you were at work for 40 hours and your dog shit himself. Like that it's, it all trickles down and you don't get to have that freedom of saying like, you know what? I want to devote my life to figuring out whether or not we are even going to be able to sustain life on Mars right? or even if that's the biggest long shot we've ever thought of, like, hey, well, if we fucked this up in 2000 years, are we not going to fuck Mars up faster? Are we not going <laughs> to like for real? Like, that's what I think about. And and so I kind of want to like close this out and think of like, where do we go so that we can open the doors for society to be able to truly sit down and drop the tribalism? Mm -hmm. And be able to sit down and say, hey, these are the real conversations we need to be having. It's not uh, it's not about the next election. It's not about who gets to say, hey, I'm the president, but they're really falling under Congress and all the other people that get to say whatever they say in the background. And they're just the face of it. So they get to get shit on. Right. You know, yeah. So where do we go in saying that maybe. What's more important is mankind's survival and truly living fulfilling and happy lives other than getting stuck in the nine to five and getting stuck in that, that cycle of life where you just hate everything and you hate your job and you, you hate that car because you have a car bill and you hate your house because you have a house bill and you know, you, 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 you're, you're not happy with your spouse but you were happy with her when you didn't have all those responsibilities at first but now that you do and you have a family and it's been years now it's really weighing down on you it's not because you don't love her it's because your whole fucking life has crashed down 
on the idea of like, hey, I've been working 20 years at this job and I'm definitely not the boss still. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. where do you go from there? Where do you go from there to open up the world to science? Well, I think that we're all victims of time and the time it takes to get to a certain place, you know, yeah. in time. Uh, I think by the time, I'm, I'm gonna be 30 this year, and I think by the time I'm an old man, you know, 50 to 60s, 70s, Yeah. I think by then, we'll have a very real possibility of being in like that, that sort of future where we have everything. Yeah. Where there is no need for humanity spread across. But I think what it's gonna take to get there is, you know, if we are in a simulation, we have to acknowledge that we're users in this simulation, that we're not non-playable characters, yeah. that we do have free will in this simulation, that the illusion of free will is nonetheless still free will. A robot who dreams still dreams. It's yeah, not exactly. Fake. Yep. And so I think that regardless of that sort of outcome of the universe being a simulation, taking that same responsibility in your day-to-day -day interaction with what we perceive as the universe. Taking responsibility in your interactions when you go outside, when you interact with people, how you interact with the world out there, what you're doing out there in the world. Because ultimately, as long as you're pursuing something that is fulfilling to you as an individual, it's yeah. good for the community. And once you can start to do things that are good for yourself and benefit the community, then you can start to build a community. Mm. You can start to find those like-minded individuals who are, you know, sharing similar ideologies or paths with you. And why not get together and, you know, talk about things like we're talking about? Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, and, that, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it, it bothers me when I, when I talk to people. And, and so to bring it to my specific field. Right. So I'll tell somebody like they they message me, whatever. And they say, hey, man, like uh, I really want to lose weight. Mm -hmm. And I go, OK, cool. How can I help you? And they say, well, I want to know how to exercise and I want to know how to eat, whatever. And so I go, all right, cool. Well, all you have to do is this via exercise. And all you have to do is not eat this for your diet. And automatically they say, whoa, 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 I can't do that on the, on the diet part, mm. right? So now let's think about it as like what we're talking about in terms of um, being able to truly sit down and say like, is, am, is what I'm doing benefiting me? Is it making me feel fulfilled? But then is it also benefiting society as a whole? And, well, what if I tell somebody and, I, and I, I just grab somebody off the streets and I say, hey, man, you need to be happy, fulfilled, and every single day, whatever you wake up and do, you should be trying to better society. And that person slaps my hand and says, fuck you, man. I have kids to feed. What do you say? <laughs> I don't think I'd find myself that far into that situation. Well, no, yeah, yeah, but, but you get what I'm... We're, that's the we're extreme. Picking up where you're that's, at. Yeah, that's that the extreme. Basically, um, it's not about happiness. It's not about trying to find that. Because 
happiness is going to be fleeting. You talk to the best psychologists there are out there and the worst, they'll say the same thing, that, like, the pursuit of happiness is like trying to chase sugar cubes in a river. Yeah, yeah. And so, <clears throat> if you don't know what that means, happiness is going to dissolve once you get it. Yeah, and yeah. So, you know, it only takes so long. It's like winning the lottery in a year, you're fucking killing yourself. Yeah, you know, yeah, and it's, go it's ahead. those same instances. So, I think... That it's not about that happiness. It's about finding fulfillment in the ways that you can. Yeah. Like, I know for me as a child growing up, things like watching the stars with my dad, I never did that as much as I wish I would have because he would sit out there for hours and he would be like, I just saw like four or five UFOs. Yeah, yeah. He'd call me out sometimes and I would see like the tail end of something that looked sketchy. But like... I wasn't putting in the same hours, so I can't expect the same results. Yeah, for sure. And yep. if you want to feel more aligned with whether or not they're aliens, then go outside and stare at the stars. You know, if you have the money, buy a pair of night vision goggles, a monocular. You can get them at Big Five for like 300 bucks if you get really into it. And, you know, go out into the mountains if you can. Drive out, you know, once you get off work and smoke a cigarette, you know, do whatever, smoke a spliff. And just stare at the stars and see if you can find some aliens. If you yeah. want to get real connected with that, if you want to not fall subject to the illusion that, like, I think mass media is trying to put out there and the individuals who are spewing their own stuff on YouTube, you know, get out there and try your best to explore it. And I get it. Like, got a wife and kids, man. That's cool. Then don't worry about it because I have enough time for both of us. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, see, and that's the thing that I, I had someone tell me. And I was actually on the, on the phone with my brother and I thought of this and I'm adopted my, my older brothers in his fifties. Mm -hmm. And I remember him telling me when I was a kid, like 15 years old, he said, what you do now is going to affect you for the rest of your life. And you're not going to think of you know, whatever. Like, it, you, you're not going to think that it's going to affect you when you're 40, sure. when you're 15, but it very much well can. I feel like a lot of people get told that, at least well, if not by a yeah. crazy uncle who they just but, dismiss it. You know? But let me tell you something that I've learned over the years that something that I try to convey in a message, and as my son gets older, I'm going to hammer this into his head, is that life is not short. That's an illusion. Life is not short. Life is long. And if you start your life miserable and you fuck up, and some people get shitty hands, man, because I didn't get a fucking loaded deck. I got some shitty cards. I was just maybe more blessed than others. But if you start it off and you fuck up, it's real easy to fuck up 60 years. You get what I'm saying? Absolutely. And then when you're 60, you have to pay for that. And something that I like that you said, and I'm honestly going to fucking write this down when we're done, is it's not about happiness. It's about fulfillment. And right when you said that, I thought about like working long hours and, and, and being exhausted and being tired. But at the end of that day... Instead of closing my boss's gym, I'm closing my gym. Right. And I might not be happy because it's 11 and I haven't seen my family in a week. 
But it's my gym and I'm fulfilled. Do you want to wake up and work towards someone else's dream or your own? Exactly. And it's fine if you want to do either or. I feel like, frankly, a lot of people, you know, choose to be supportive roles. In oh, yeah, for dreams. sure. You could think of uh, Albert Speer, Hitler's architect. Yeah. And he was the, what was he, the Minister of Interior for military design and stuff. So he's building yeah. Hitler's tanks. But at the end of the war, this dude apologized because he, he, supposedly, he didn't know everything that was going on with, you know, the Nazis. Yeah. So it's like, you can, you can find yourself in a really shitty situation where you think the dude that you're working for is just a video game store owner, but like, how well do you know him and his motivations? Yeah, exactly. Is he going to just try to get this business up to a $25,000 value and then sell it? Yeah, exactly. Go live in the Bahamas with his rich Asian wife you know but <laughs> yeah getting too specific yeah there, yeah so. you invested <laughs> you invested 20 years of your life right. for a guy to say hey i'm done and i hope you had a good ride yeah because if you uh, want to work for mcdonald's that's cool and if that's all you can do that's also even actually literally cool. that's noble because that, yeah the fact of the matter is is like a lot of it industries don't do criminal background checks. Yeah, exactly. And if you're a criminal and can get into IT, like, great, good for you. Go make an AI. Yeah. Just well, that's like, I mean, there's no such thing as a, um, there's no such thing as a bad job. Right. Like, I mean, no matter, no matter what you do, man, yeah. look, I'm telling Every you right now, like, I, I had a teacher in high school tell me, he said, he sat me down and he said, hey man, are you going to go to college? And I said, no. And he was like, all right, well, you should go to trade school. And, and I asked him, I said, why, why should I go to trade school? And he said, imagine that the world is ending, that the economy fails, and that everything is going to shit. And I said, all right. He said, Human, humans, people, are still going to need plumbers. Shit, yeah. No matter what. No matter if the fucking world was ending, people are going to call plumbers. No shit, homie. One of the reasons that 68 Whiskey Medic appealed to me was because I thought if, you know, the world ends, I'm going to be in the perfect position to leverage myself into a position of safety. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, even if I just wander out into the wastelands and find a community of injured people and I have the know-how to help them and aid them, you know, I could do good. Yep. For a small community of... People, yeah, it's post-apocalyptic, but yeah, for sure. No, I, I got mean, you. I'm you, there. You have to really think about that. Is like, what kind of value is your job gonna have? Exactly. I don't want to rely on cryptocurrency. Exactly. Because I've read these articles about FEMA talking about how one of the largest uh, concerns for the American infrastructure is an EMP attack. Yeah. So how secure is your, uh, you know, online currency if it's? entirely web-based you know i don't want to lose my family pictures when the great blackout happens exactly yeah man i think that man you you hit on so many good points and um like i said man like like simulation aliens that's all things that like we have the freedom to think about for sure and i feel like that's one of those things where like you really hear like 16-year-old stoners talk about, you know? Right. But as you get older and you start to listen to, like, scientists and shit, yeah. and they're talking about it, 
then you're like, whoa, bro, was I, was I on to something? Yeah. Whatever, whatever it was. Well, 100%. And, like, that's how I feel. Like, yeah. is that when I got out of the army, I heard about quantum computers and I was like, quantum what? I yeah. didn't even know fully. I was interested in physics, but like only from a music background. Yeah, yeah. And to like hear that like there's this talk about basically a computer that if perfected would be like a mirror, mirror on the wall sort of thing. Mm -hmm. What's the, you know, best thing I should do for tomorrow? And what, what horse should I bid on? Yeah, exactly. And that's like the, the, the outcome we're looking at with like quantum computers. I, in the highest ideals, you know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just the same way that, like, the first IBM computers, like, no one imagined that we'd be playing Doom 64 or whatever on mm -hmm. later, you know, like, or the yeah. original Doom. Yep. Um, yeah, man, I just think that, I know I keep bringing it back to this, but I, I honestly think that we need to set a precedent of a society that is able to, like you said, like, find things that make them feel fulfilled. And I think that humans have an innate nature of um, always wanting to explore and always wanting to find the best thing and always wanting to one-up each other. Right. And we're very competitive in nature. And as much as we are in uh, tribalism, we are also wanting to be loved by other human beings. Mm -hmm. We want attention from other human beings. Yeah, we're and, social beings. Yeah, we're social beings. And and so, you know, even with like Endgame where it, it kind of like opened up the conversation for a lot of people that wouldn't think about uh, quantum physics and things like that, space travel and things like that. Right. Uh, that aren't like comic book nerds that freaking, you know what I'm saying? That just followed it their entire lives and <laughs> the, that's the all they think. The people that know it was coming. Yeah, yeah. And, Those are uh, the people that I really am. Is the people that yeah. didn't know it was coming. Because, like, you know, I was mm -hmm. predicting quantum physics would play a huge role in Endgame. Yeah. I'm glad it did. Well, but, the, yeah, exactly. And me, too. And and you know me, man. And, and anybody that's listening to me, they know that I've, I'm not the most, you know, uh, smartest, smartest. Like, that's a good word to use but that's what i'm saying like i'm not the smartest person when it comes to like the sciences or like math and stuff like that you just have but, been focused in this area yeah exactly like it's not my it's not my biggest field of study sure but as i i get older and my mind goes less on my own life and my own achievements and my own stuff when I really am thinking about like my son's future and the future of mankind and, and whatever, I get further and further into the importance of no politics, more science, no social constructs and more hardcore evidence. Because those are the more optimistic futures. Yeah, I think that we live in a society which is so victimized right. and this is like both sides this doesn't go to left or right and nobody fucking comment oh those snowflake nah man it's left and right that complain and they fucking you know they still go to their nine to five that they're saying that whatever blah blah, blah. i ain't gonna work with nobody or the left is like that's this this and this but i'm not gonna do yeah you're still gonna go to your job you're still gonna freaking give into a society that doesn't actually care what side you're on 
because it's all made up, what we really need to focus on is the sciences, the maths, the things that are going to better our societies, they're going to better our ways of life, and they're going to extend all the way to generations to come yeah. the way of life that they can have because we're doing an incredible injustice to our grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren if we're not even willing to talk about it because that guy's not in my tribe. And yeah, he has a great idea, but he's not in my tribe or I didn't come up with it, so I don't want to hear it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that's one of the things I always try to illustrate with the Trump administration is that there have been a lot of like really big scientific breakthroughs. Oh, yeah, for sure. The announcement sure. of the Space Force, for one. Yep. I can't imagine what is to come with that. You know, it, yeah. it could only be a spectacular. And then you had the Quantum uh, Initiative Directive, yep. which was just recently put into law December 24th, I want to say, last year. Yeah. Where basically the government is making quantum technology and advancements a uh, national priority. And then you have NASA's budget, which has been ramped up to provide for a moon base, which will lead to a Mars base. Yep. So to say that these events that are happening right now are some sort of form of bipartisanship, yeah. I think is ignorant. Yeah, for sure. This stuff that's occurring right now is setting the stones for the road that will lead to your grandchildren being the first generation to grow up on Mars. Yeah, for sure. And that's an amazing thing. Well, see, and that's, well, and that's what I'm saying about like tribalism. Like, Trump could say tomorrow, hey, guys, I just solved the equation that makes us live forever and never get sick. And you never <laughs> have to worry about anything ever again. Right. And there's no fuel and we're no longer polluting the planet. And people would say... Trump's a racist. He only wants it for his group. And then it's like, yo, man, did you just disregard everything he said? For, for that one idea that your side is right, did you just disregard everything he said? So yesterday when I watched a CNN review of Trump's July 4th military salute, yeah, the lady was trying to dog it, saying that because of the weather, it was almost a, you know, a fumble. And she mentioned that world leaders have mocked it as being not as impressive as it should have been for America. Yeah. Yet we had a B-2 stealth bomber followed by two F-22 Raptors. Yeah. Flying, like, I don't know what the, the flyboy term is, but, like, they were, they were coming pretty dang close to the Lincoln Memorial. Yeah, yeah. The speech was. And it's like, that's, that's balls-to-the-wall-like freedom right there. Yep. That is the same American spirit that threw English tea into the bay. Yeah, and exactly. the same sort of American spirit that Paul Revere had when he rode through the night screaming. Yeah, exactly. And the same sort of American spirit that I remember specifically emanating from our country immediately following 9-11. Yep. Which was a really go-getter attitude. Yep. That's the only way I could describe it. I think that you, you hit the nail on the head, man. Uh, to this day, I remember where I was... Uh, when I found out about 9-11. Still, to this day, I remember the exact class I was sitting in. I remember what the TV looked like. I remember what I was fucking wearing. You know what I'm saying? Um, Not many people do know. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's... Think about it. There's adults that weren't even born then. You know what I'm saying? 
Um, but with that being said, yeah, it, it, I think that's the problem. I think that we, we live in a society that loves to be divided, that loves to be victims, that loves to uh, point at themselves almost and say that they're the ones that have a problem and they're, they're being oppressed and they're being whatever. And, you know, you, sure. you get a voice like you, you get to say, you know, you make one click of something on the fucking Internet and you're like, hey, I want the entire world to know that I did this crazy thing and you go viral or whatever, whatever it is. But my problem is, is that like we could be using this for a million other things. We could be using social media. What if what if tomorrow we decided that social media was only used for people that could outreach in homes where they were getting abused and by making a post, we can trace their address and come help them. Well, what would that do? What would that do to society? What would that do to countries where kids are getting sold into sex slavery and things like that? But you know what I'm upset about? Today, I'm upset that they casted an African-American woman to play Ariel. It's a joke. I'm just kidding. I'm not upset about it. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That. Like we could we could, that if that's my biggest concern, then I'm a selfish piece of shit and <laughs> I need to be worrying about things that actually matter and are actually going to progress our society and it starts with science and it starts with opening those doors so that people can actually uh explore the things that they they want to explore because we have that that inner voice that says, hey, you know, I want to see why this works. I want to see how it can get better. I want to see this. But for some reason, and it's so weird because, like, I had an older mother, so I got to get her perspective of, like, how life was. And it was like, oh, everybody was friends. And, you know, we didn't have phones. So you could just go into, you should just go to somebody's house and you hang out and I just trusted you to come home and it wasn't a problem and it wasn't this and it wasn't that. But now we live in a society where like, if my kid's out in the backyard, I have to be standing out there with him. Right. You know what I'm saying? And he's in the backyard. He's in my backyard. Especially depending on if, what city you're yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. Know, cities have higher proclivity for that. Yeah. Certain ones. Especially Hollywood, I hear. Yeah. And so I just, man, I can, I could really go on all day, but I just feel like and the reason why I wanted to have this discussion with you is because you're such a, honestly, like I see you and this will be recorded and documented that I'm saying that you're going to be a pioneer in physics and the things that we do in the future. And I think that like my audience, the people that listen to this, um, hopefully they understand why I thought this was so important. Even though it was fun, even though it's fun to talk about <laughs> simulation and, and aliens and Avengers and whatever, it's also very important to understand that like we owe it to ourselves, but we also owe it to generations to come. Right, because it's reality building. Exactly. And to the extent that even if you just mention to your children when they're old enough to understand, you know, hey, maybe you should watch the Avengers yep. and get to that really climactic point in Endgame where Hank Pym uses science to save the universe, basically. Yep. But it wasn't Hank Pym himself. It was the people that were around him. Yep. It was his gift to the world 
that he wasn't there for the moment to see, you know? Yep. And that's, I think, the sort of message that I really appreciate in modern-day Marvel movies. Yeah. You know, that there is this this really hopeful future that's just one brilliant person away. Yeah. Well, and, and something that I always pick up from um, superhero movies, and it's kind of funny because I watch, like, these... Um, I always tell people all the time I'm such a literal person, <laughs> and... Um, I watch like these funny breakdowns of like movies and stuff like that. And I, I think I saw like a breakdown of like, would you want to live in New York if the Avengers were real? <laughs> and then it just showed all the damage that the, <laughs> that the fight caused, right? Sure. But also like I was thinking about it in Spider-Man where like he was so, spoiler alert, Spider-Man Far really. From Home, where he was, he was so distraught that he wanted to be a teenager, but he also wanted to be an Avenger. And it goes back to like that happiness and fulfillment. Yeah. And um, I always think about that with superheroes. Like, like even in the Avengers, the original one, they talked about how forming the Avengers caused so many catastrophic events yeah. that because they came together and they were all superpowers, the only things that could oppose them were superpowers. And then Miles Morales and Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. He had an almost Neo-like experience where he could basically go on living life kind of Normal. not experiencing his powers to their fullest. Yep. Or he could experience that personal fulfillment of like living up to what his potential yeah. is. And he did. And exactly. look how that turned out. And the whole message was everyone can do that. Yep. And I think that that's one of the things that... Um, Especially because, like, as a kid growing up loving comics and being an adult and, like, my son's favorite toys are fucking comic toys, like superheroes. And he loves watching Spider-Man cartoon from the 90s on TV because it's on on demand. And, like, yeah, he just loves it. And it, it, for me, like, being a father, I'm like, holy shit, man, this is the, this is the <laughs> greatest give that yeah. I can, you know, because I remember as a kid, I remember as a kid watching these superheroes and then going outside and believing that one day I'd become a superhero and I can change the world. Well, now I'm an adult and I know that I might never become a superhero, but I can change the world. Let me tell you, man, at least you realize that like that, that potential exists there in your parenthood. Yeah. Because when I talked to my dad, who introduced me to Dragon Ball Z. He introduced me to Mobile Suit Gundam. Yeah. He introduced me to Power Rangers. He introduced me to the original X-Men, the Spider-Man, you know, all yeah. the 90s stuff. All these really, like, the things nowadays that you'll find kids on forums and online just fucking are fans of. Yeah, and yeah. love, and these things become, like, cultural icons. Like, my dad just thought they were cool and was like, hey, you should watch these with me. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I talk to him about it nowadays, and I'm like, Dad, the reason... I want to build space colonies because I watch so much Star Trek with you. Yeah, yeah. I don't doubt that, 100%. Yep. And he's like, ha. Huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who would have known? Well, the and thing he's is, honest. He doesn't, well, he's kind of clueless to the correlation. You know? Well, the funny thing is, like, my mom, like, she, like I said, she was older. Mm -hmm. And so she had a different perspective on the world. Yeah. She had a perspective that you work for 30 years or whatever and you retire and you hope to live, 
you're fulfilling life after 60. Bro. And no, I'm t- yeah, that, yeah, 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 I know, yeah. you know. And, um, and so what she didn't realize is that by showing me the kind of unfulfillment that she achieved while working those long years, that she opened a door for me to think to myself, well, I would never do that. And so if I know for a fact, 100%, that I was imprinted deep in my DNA by things that I saw when I was growing up, that my son will be the same way. Absolutely. And so if I don't give him the opportunity, if I don't tell him, it's like those people that say like, hey, dad, I want to be an astronaut. And it's like, yeah, the likelihood of you ever doing that is fucking zero. (laughs) Do the math. No, man, if my son came to me tomorrow and was like, dad, I want to be an astronaut. Well, I'm going to go fucking buy him an astronaut suit. Send his ass to space. Yeah, and and I'm going to... I'm going to hope that he keeps pursuing it or if in five years he decides, nah, man, I just want to do X, Y, and Z, then damn, now I got to buy X, Y, and Z because I'm going to support him. And I want him to know that if you work your fucking face off to do something and you truly, truly believe that this is what's going to make you, like you said, fulfilled, not just happy, but fulfilled, then I want him to do that. And that's what I want for myself. And I've seen so many people, man, that don't believe they can do that for themselves. And I'm not talking about older people. I'm not talking about older people that are stuck in their ways and they've, they've survived for the last 40 years because we don't know shit about the Great Depression or, or the stock market dropping and shit like that because we were kids, but they do. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't, but they do. And so we don't have that freaking burden on our mind of like, damn, what happens when our money's worth nothing? Well, another example is like the Cold War. Like, we didn't grow up with the worry that like nuclear bombs were going to fall on us. Exactly. You know, I remember I had to do uh, desk training drills like for a few classes growing up in California, but it was... Never to the extent that I hear in documentaries or from my dad. Yeah. Who grew up when, like, Russia and America were big-dicking each other. Yeah, for sure. Who's got more missiles. And that's, like, an example of, like, something that they'll experience that we kind of never have that not only makes their experience so particular, but then think about that going forward. One thing I was telling my dad is that in about 100 years, I think the majority of human life is not going to know what it's like to live on Earth. Oh, Yeah. Like yeah, you're gonna have more I believe people it. who are growing up in zero gravity or low gravity locations in our solar system. Yeah, you know, and the privileged ones will be the ones that are the ones that are still on Earth, or at least yeah. the ones who have the money to stay. Yep. But ultimately, they'll be like a more richer frontier in space. Yeah, I think that, um, man, I, I I think you're absolutely right, and I think that it's gonna come full circle. And I'm glad that this is documented because I want people to understand that what I'm doing and what I think about and what you think about, because we've had so many conversations that have only furthered our connection, totally. is that we think about what we can do for the future and not for ourselves. 
we've even talked about like not wanting the fame and not wanting you know what I'm saying I think the term would be futurists yeah futurists I've heard Thanos yep. referred to as a futurist yeah and you know not to say we're in the same vein of him but he was a man who was concerned with the future yeah you know what he was concerned with the future because all he had known was the hard and and that's you know that's one of those great human elements human element yeah yeah and it made him such a likable villain in in my opinion up there with like the only person that could parallel uh what he accomplished was I'm saying the Joker. Oh, I was going to say Heath Ledger. Well, Killmonger, yes, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Killmonger, Killmonger for that. sure. But then also, yeah. also Heath Ledger's Joker. Yeah. Just because it was such, it was chaos, man. When you give a man chaos, you cannot expect sanity to come out of it. And that's what villains are. That's what the Joker was. That's what Killmonger was. That's what Thanos was. You can't expect sanity come out to come out of it, but they had their own ideas of solutions. And so what I'm trying to do and what you're trying to do is create a place where you don't have to go through the chaos For sure. in order to come out with the ideas. But um, look, man, it's always good talking to you. Likewise. We're definitely going to do this again soon. All right, well, thanks for having me on the podcast. Yep. All right, man. Y'all have a good night. Thank you for listening. Take care, y'all.